Hi, it's Dwyer. Gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. It is Tuesday, August 8th, 2023. Let's talk about Errol Spence. Let's talk about his dilemma in a way that kind of like broadens the scope of inquiry a little bit, a little bit further than the public might be thinking about this. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now Floyd Mayweather, and understand who Floyd is. Floyd is someone who literally has made hundreds of millions of dollars with Al Heyman, right? The two guys have a very successful business relationship. Understand, too, the way boxing works. I know the press, in very shorthanded fashion, will say, oh, that guy's a PBC fighter. They'll look at Mayweather Promotions, a separate entity, and will say, well, you know, Floyd Mayweather is not involved with PBC and stuff like that. Uh, the truth is very different. You know, Floyd may well be cooperating and helping PBC, might be an investor providing capital for PBC, right? Because as we know, boxing is a labor-intensive, capital-intensive business. So just understand, Mayweather is very sympathetic with PBC, with the people behind Errol Spence. Right? Mayweather has worked with Al Heyman. The guys know each other. There's a mutual respect there. This isn't a hater situation. This isn't a situation where Mayweather was a dominant champion and he wants to diss other fighters and stuff like that. This isn't that situation. Rather, this is a situation where if PBC benefits, Mayweather benefits. So, Mayweather gave an interview, and it's a very important interview. Not every interview is in boxing. This is a very important interview where Mayweather, who himself was a championship boxer, who has also been involved behind the scenes with helping young fighters with their careers, right? He's been a promoter. He's guided people like Gervonta Davis in the past. Mayweather made a statement where he said that Errol Spence, whose last fight was 147 pounds, right? Spence, of course, dominant champion at 147 pounds. Mayweather made the statement that he believed that Spence might actually be better off fighting at 160 or 168 pounds. Right? This is after a long Errol Spence career that has taken him to 33 years of age. Mayweather feels that Spence has been fighting in the wrong division. Now, I want people to focus on that concept here because I understand to many it sounds absolutely absurd. Right? Now, boxing has had this internal structural 
struggle for years, right? There's a philosophical divide over the proper approach in which to prepare for fights. Now understand, some fighters drain themselves to make weight at the weigh-in. The idea, and it's a boxing adage that has been around for decades. The idea is that a good big man beats a good little man. So you've had fighters like Ricky Hatton, who had a fighting weight well below, well below his walking around weight. You know, there's a famous story that after Duran beat Ray Leonard, the first fight, Ray Leonard's representative, a guy named Michael Trainer, and you need to Google that name. He's a big part of the Ray Leonard history. Mike Trainer happened to be passing by a restaurant. And the claim is that he saw Roberto Duran at the restaurant. And he could not believe Duran's weight gain. So, of course, the Leonard people offered Duran a lot of money for a fight that was to take place in a matter of months. So Duran, of course, wouldn't have time to properly lose the weight. Duran was a Ricky Hatton type guy, right? Much bigger when he walked around between fights than he was in the fights he had, right? In other words, his walking around weight was much more than the weight classes he fought in. So, of course, we get the second. Leonard Duran fight, and that's the fight where Duran, surprisingly, after having had to go through rapid weight loss, has a stomach ache, can barely move. Leonard's strategy is to move around the ring, unlike the first fight, to make the pocket a mobile pocket, to force Duran to try to find him. And Duran just didn't have the energy to do so. Now, let me just encourage people to look at the film of the fight because understand, the film's interesting. Duran was such a good fighter that Duran's winning some of the rounds in that Ray Leonard rematch. But, of course, Duran gets tired of Leonard moving. He turns to the referee and he says, no moss box. That's the no moss fight, right? Well, just to understand, Roberto Duran was like Ricky Hatton. If you saw him between fights, he was almost unrecognizable, right? The weight classes he fought in, again, weren't his walking around weight. Let's name some other fighters. Canelo, earlier in his career. Understand what a struggle making weight was for Canelo. For his fight against Floyd Mayweather, they decided, and I hated this idea, but they decided on a catch weight. They were going to force Canelo to lose two additional pounds below the 154-pound weight limit. And folks, not surprisingly, 
when the guys fight, Canelo comes out and he is dead. He loses many of the early rounds. Floyd is right in front of him. And Canelo can't do much against Mayweather. Dan Rayfield, the very well-known boxing journalist, gave the first six rounds of that fight to Mayweather. Let me just tell you that if you're down six rounds to Mayweather, who, by reputation, was a slow starter, you're done. Right? The fight wasn't close. I know one judge had that fight a draw. Okay, whatever. That's why we have three judges. That fight wasn't close. Canelo was not himself early in that fight. Let's name some other fighters who drained themselves so that their fighting weight, or at least the weight class they're in, isn't close to their walking around weight. Adrian Broner. Right? Broner had such a problem making weight that the Adrian Granados fight, they couldn't even announce the weight class the guys were fighting in before the fight, until the last minute. Well, Errol Spence falls into this group. Right? Understand, this is a long-standing issue in boxing. Oscar De La Hoya fell into this group, right? Back in the day, HBO used to have a weigh-in on the night of the fight. And Oscar frequently would have gained 15 pounds between the weigh-in hours earlier and the day of the fight weigh-in Right, Oscar would jump in weight. It became so ridiculous that Oscar started refusing to participate in the weigh-in on fight night because Oscar understood. It made him look like he had an unfair advantage. Let's talk about current fighters. Believe it or not, Javante Davis, who's unbeaten, has been stopped. He was stopped by the scale. That's how he lost his IBF 130-pound title. He had to forfeit it. He's not alone. Shakur Stevenson had to forfeit his 130-pound title on the scale before the robeson so fight. Right? There's a fighter out there who I consider to be extremely talented. I like his game. I think he's underrated. The problem is Gilberto Ramirez. And I want people to revisit his fight against Dimitri Bivo. Right? Look at the punch stat numbers. Look at the body shots. Ramirez lands on Bivo. Understand, those two guys used to spar together. Understand, Ramirez used to spar with David Benavides. Right? Ramirez is one of boxing's better body punchers. But he's weight-drained. He should be fighting at cruiserweight. Let's get real. Not light-heavy. 
right? Ramirez doesn't even look like himself at weigh-ins. You see him on fight night, and it looks like he's gained 10-odd pounds, right? His weight draining, to me, has hurt his career. Now, in my opinion, and here's where we get controversial, right? As I've said, I respect these fighters, but this is not a fan site, right? In my opinion, fighters who yo-yo in weight like this, think Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who had more talent than we want to remember, who, of course, lost to Anderson Silva in one of these boxer versus MMA guy fights. Right? He yo-yoed in weight. In my opinion, these fighters don't age as well as the next group of fighters I'm going to discuss. I need for people to understand that this is a long-held belief of mine that predates Errol Spence. I wrote about this more than a decade ago in my book, GamblersAdvisory.com's Guide on How to Bet on Boxing. It's still available on Amazon. Google it. Right? You want to find out who's in this group. You want to pay attention to the weights. Right? You want to privately know that some fighters worked awfully hard for the titles they picked up and then gave them back on the scale. Right? You want to pay attention to that. A lot of boxing is an illusion. So there's a different group of fighters. These fighters are extremely disciplined, are consistently training, and walk around at or very near to their fighting weights. The idea is that the healthier you are, the better your performance. Now, let me just say this. I don't want to sound macabre, but you go through the history of fighters who've been badly hurt in fights. Think Gerald McClellan, who got badly hurt in the Nigel Benn fight. And I'm just telling you that your punch resistance starts to go as you get older if you are a weight yo-yoer. In other words, when you're young, when you're 22, okay, sure, you can do the, I'm going to gain 15 pounds after the weigh-in type thing. I'm going to be the good big man in the fight. People think we're the same weight class. In actuality, I'm bigger than my opponent. I'm just telling you that it's not just fitness and stamina. It's punch resistance that goes when you're a yo-yoer and you're no longer 22, you're actually late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s, right? I'm just telling you your body will pay you back for yo-yoing in weight. You cannot handle the punches. Guys will get hurt. Right? So, 
let me just say this. Bernard Hopkins starts his career at 177 pounds. That's right. One of the greats at middleweight starts his career above the light heavyweight limit. Look it up on BoxRec right now, right? Well, let me just say this. He reads Marvin Hagler's book. Hagler was militaristic in his approach, very disciplined to fight prep and stuff like that. We know about Hopkins now because Hopkins loses the 17 pounds, doesn't have a donut for several years of his career, kept himself around fighting weight, 160, and then embarks on the great run he had at middleweight, right? Understand, Hopkins exemplifies this group I'm about to talk to uh, about, where these are guys who were always in shape. These were guys who could spend a training camp focusing on strategy and preparing for a fight rather than focusing on losing weight for the weigh-in, right? There's a big difference. So, of course, I mentioned him earlier here, Marvin Hagler, who was one of the guiding inspirations, believe it or not, for Bernard Hopkins' career, right? Hopkins understood the sacrifice needed because he read Hagler books. Of course, Floyd Mayweather. Now, don't get me wrong. Mayweather, earlier in his career, right, is trying to lose weight to make weight. Then he accepts the fact that people gain weight as they grow older, even professional athletes. So Mayweather, when he fights De La Hoya for De La Hoya's title, Mayweather doesn't even gain the weight to match De La Hoya's weight. Mayweather comes into that fight several pounds less than De La Hoya. Understand, De La Hoya is a weight yo-yoer. So De La Hoya makes weight at the weigh-in, then after that gains a lot of weight. What Mayweather weighed at the weigh-in, which was something like four pounds less than the weight limit. That's how Mayweather entered the ring. So that Mayweather-De La Hoya fight probably featured a 15 to 20 pound weight gap. Mayweather won that fight. Because understand, Mayweather never relied on being the bigger man physically in the fight. Mayweather was all about skills. Great counters, great left hook, great defense. Right? That was his focus. That's why, in my opinion, he was able to leave the sport unbeaten. You know, Manny Pacquiao has some fights where Manny Pacquiao came in two, three pounds below the weight limit. Right? Understand, as Manny gained weight, Manny did not feel a need to come in at the weight limit. After all, Manny was a fast fighter. 
his speed and suddenness were some of the advantages he had. Right? And so Pacquiao was always a freak athlete. Right? Pacquiao didn't let himself get out of shape. Pacquiao was always around his fighting weight at the heavyweight division. And we understand heavyweights don't have a weight limit. We understand some heavyweights, even when they've just gotten the title, will let themselves go. Look at Andy Ruiz. Right, Andy now, of course, is in the gym and he's disciplined. He's moved from the first group to this group. But let me just say, there's not a day, and I mean this, where I ever saw Evander Holyfield out of shape. Right, when Evander Holyfield moved up to heavyweight, understand Holyfield was always in shape. They'd be talking about having a fight. Holifield and whoever else, right? Larry Holmes, George Foreman, uh, Mike Tyson. And as they were interviewing Holifield, you would look at him and you thought, you know, Holifield is already in shape for the fight. Right? Not surprisingly, Holifield had great stamina. Holifield was able to go 24 rounds with a much bigger Lennox Lewis. Right? There's even a part of Holifield's career where he had problems with stamina. Right? The James Tony fight where he falls on his face. But understand, in that fight, there wasn't a discussion on whether Holifield was in shape or out of shape. We knew he was in shape. Right? There was a question in terms of training for the fight. There was a question on Holifield's heart. Not spiritual heart, but physical heart. Right? At the time, the feeling was that Holifield might be having heart problems. The issue was so serious that Holifield got checked out at the Mayo Clinic. But understand, Holifield was always in shape. Now, let me just say this. And I don't say it lightly. All the guys I named except for Hagler, who walks away from the sport at 32. Right? Walks away from it. But all of these guys, Hopkins, Floyd, Manny Pacquiao, Evander Holyfield, were able to fight after they were 35 years old. Because always being in shape preserves your body protects your body. Your body has nothing to pay back. Right? You've honored your body. You're not stressing your body by gaining 15 pounds after a weigh-in before a physically grueling fight. So, let's talk about Errol Spence. Now, just understand, Mayweather is not an outsider. Mayweather has made hundreds of millions of dollars with Al Heyman. Mayweather is located in Las Vegas. Right? Mayweather is the consummate boxing insider. Right? That was Mayweather, ringside, at the Errol Spence-Terrence Crawford fight. 
right? Mayweather's an insider. For Mayweather to say that Spence needs to gain 13 pounds, right? That's the gap between 160 and 147. Or possibly 21 pounds. That's the gap between 168 and 147. To continue his career is a big statement from someone who, of course, has lived boxing. Now, let's talk about Spence. Let's talk about his options. And understand, this is just one man's opinion. I know here on YouTube there are many opinions on Errol Spence. In my opinion, Spence can't stay at 147. We know that from a good source. Errol himself, he said he doesn't feel he can stay at 147. We know that from our two eyes. You're looking at Spence at the weigh-in, and my goodness, he's rail thin. Right, he is rail thin. Not only that, you want to know Spence's weight at the weigh-in for this Crawford fight? 147. Think about that. No room to spare. Right, if Spence weighed half a pound more, he wouldn't have made weight, right? Let's also talk about the competitive problem at 147, and it's huge. Going to make a hard statement here. It is what it is. I believe Jaron Ennis is a better athlete than Errol Spence. Right, so you have that mix you don't want. The older fighter who yo-yos in weight, Spence is 33. Fighting a guy who's going to force him to move. Jaron Ennis has much better legs than Errol Spence. Right, I don't like that matchup for Errol Spence. Spence against Ennis, I don't like it. Especially with Spence coming off a loss. Let's face it, too. I know Virgil Ortiz has had physical problems, and they're major, right? Anytime a professional athlete tells you that his body is rebelling against him, that there's some autoimmune issues, you need to pay attention. But just understand, Spence had eye surgery for retinal problems. Virgil Ortiz has one of the stiffest best jabs in boxing. I don't believe that Virgil Ortiz, who has other big punches, but I don't believe Virgil Ortiz has to throw other punches when that jab is landing. Right? Both Ennis and Ortiz are unbeaten as I make this video. Folks, I'm just telling you that boxing has some illusions. These young guys are ready to topple the old guard, especially 33-year-olds who aren't defensively blessed. I don't think it's a healthy situation for Spence to stay at 147. Now, at 154, there's a big problem. 
According to reports, the rematch clause that Spence had with Crawford gives the winner of the first fight the option on the weight class for the second fight. So believe it or not, the person holding that card is Terence Crawford. Now Crawford, who truly is a great fighter and wants to prove it to you in every fight. Crawford's willing to fight Spence at 154. But understand, when the other side has the contractual advantage, Crawford can ask for a pint of blood, can't he? Right? Can't Crawford say, look, I'll fight you at 154, but I want a rehydration clause. Right? I'll fight you at 154, but I want the timing of the weigh-in to be this time. Understand, in history, you'll find out that for some of the biggest fights, right, I believe Leonard Hearns or some fight like that, there was an agreement on the timing of the weigh-in to give the bigger fighter a disadvantage. Right, let's just say that, number one, I don't think Errol Spence can beat Terrence Crawford. Right? Forget the weight. Just look at the CompuBox numbers. Look at the number of rounds Terrence Crawford is landing more than 50% of his punches. Right? Recognize, too, that Spence is badly hurt in the second round. In other words, it took Crawford less than six minutes to drop Spence. Well, at 154, I think Crawford lands, what? More than 40% of his punches. That's a recipe for disaster. If I'm Spence, I stay away from Crawford. The first fight should tell us enough about what would happen in the second fight. Understand, rematches have a chance when. The first fight, there's a lucky punch. Right? A guy looks good, then gets hit with a lucky punch, goes down, doesn't get back up. Right? Sometimes the referee was troublesome in the first fight, wouldn't let a fighter fight his fight. Right? Think Ali Fraser, the rematch. Here, there are no ref problems. Here, there's no lucky punch. Understand, Crawford methodically beats up Errol Spence, who gets knocked down multiple times. By the time of the ending of that fight. Fans were relieved, weren't they? I'm sure 99% of the fans watching that fight thought, well, Crawford has this. Now let's talk about the problem at 160. Now understand, I'm not a house <laughs> gambler. In other words, I think BoxRack has 160 wrong. Right, BoxRec right now has 41-year-old Golovkin as the best at 160. Golovkin hits too hard for Errol Spence. I'm, you know, Spence would have to go back foot against Golovkin to have a chance in that fight. To me, the first five guys listed on BoxRec for middleweight aren't as good as the guy I think is the king of middleweight. I believe the best 160-pounder right now 
is Zanabak Alim Kaluli. Right again, that's Zanabak Alim Kaluli, who BoxRec has ranked number six in the division. Now, the problem is, if Spence goes up to 160, Alim Kaluli is a better athlete, is a better boxer. 